Hey everyone, welcome back to a new format for the Agorist Attorney Podcast slash stream. My spiel is that I am a lawyer, I'm not your lawyer, and we talk about topics from the perspective of a freedom-minded attorney. I'm Patricia, aka Patty, aka the Agorist Attorney, the construction one, not the tax one. He's awesome. It's not me. Don't ask me tax questions. And today is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. And this is my first episode of ranting about really bad contract provisions. So about two weeks ago, I was teaching a a course to a bunch of architects and project managers, and I had put up a provision um, that was really bad that we had gotten from a kind of a client of a client to look at and give them feedback as to how we felt about the contract and, and this provision specifically. So I took a look at it and there was a bit of an audience when I was doing it. And the room was rolling and I couldn't figure out why. And a couple of my friends that were in the class said, you're really entertaining when you're marking up these provisions. You should do a rant show or rant clips about you looking at these provisions and freaking out. Because if you can show yourself freaking out, then you can share this with other people in the construction industry, entrepreneurs, architects, engineers, who can then see they are not alone in freaking out over these contracts because they're terrible. So I saw this one a few weeks ago. It's for a pretty significantly large design build project, wherein our hypothetical person reviewing the contract is on the design, engineering, and architecture side. So they are under under a contractor that's building this project for an entity is the is the setup so what i'm doing kind of for the first time here not kind of really for the first time is is sharing a screen and i want to make this big enough so that people can actually read it and i will make this much bigger so that hopefully y'all can zoom in and actually see it i'm gonna make as big as i can in the preview okay so we're gonna read this and i'm gonna stop and comment and you're gonna see what happens in a lot of these contracts we had a conversation about this in one of the survival podcast groups a few days ago and we were joking because what i said was i don't understand where these provisions come from lawyers can't really be drafting these in earnest and the joking commentary was no no they're not drafting them in earnest they're getting copied and pasted and reused and not updated which i think has to be true because this doesn't make any sense So without limiting the foregoing, and the foregoing was simply, oh, you'll perform in accordance with the standard of care, which is great because that's what we want. So without limiting the foregoing, the design services will include, cool, the development of a preliminary design. Okay, cool. And any required ancillary information. Okay. Required to allow the design builder to meet the requirements of the RFP. And RFP stands for request for proposal. If you don't do a lot of these, it's when a a company or an entity or a government entity or a city or a county sends out a document that's a request for firms to bid on their project. So contractors, architects, engineers, whatever. So it's going to allow the design builder to meet the requirement of the RFP and develop a fixed price for the proposal. Okay. How can the design team who's under under contracted under the main entity provide any required ancillary information required to allow the design builder to meet the requirements of the RFP. One, probably you're not carrying every single subconsultant needed on the project. You're probably not carrying, if you're an architect, you're not carrying the geotechnical engineer. You're probably not carrying 
civil survey. You're probably not carrying fire and life safety because we can talk about this on another show, but fire and life safety is usually a design build contractor service that's provided that way. So that, that doesn't even make sense. So the way I would change this is I would say, I have track changes on. Everybody, when you mark up a board document, please turn on track changes so that the person you send it to can understand what you're doing. Okay, so here's what we do. So either we'll include the development of preliminary design and any required ancillary information, we would say, and to the extent set forth in the attached design, we say proposal. I don't actually care what you call it. We would say to the extent set forth in the proposal, because you write a proposal that's got scope, fee, schedule, here's all the subs we're carrying, and that's what you want this tied back to. You don't want this up in some all things necessary. You don't know what that means, so we don't want to do that. So we say to the extent set forth in the attached design proposal, and then whatever you propose is what it is. And to the extent set forth in the proposal, I wouldn't say any required. I would say additionally or additional required and silly information and i wouldn't say to allow because we're not allowing right we're we're a consultant we're not we're not in charge i mean we're in charge of our design documents but we're not in charge of the whole project so we say to assist we can assist in anything we're assisting the design builder and this is just bad grammar so i'll fix it if i'm redlining anyway if there's bad grammar and i'm not really redlining for content, I usually won't correct it. I don't like it when people correct for form. If you're already correcting for substance, fix the grammar. If there's no substance to fix, leave it alone. Um, it's rude and I don't think it's necessary. So design builder, we're assisting the design builder, uh, assist the design builder in meeting, meeting the requirements. We have to fix that of the RFP and to develop a fixed price for the proposal. Okay, this becomes fine because we're assisting them in developing a fixed price. This gets scary if you're a consultant or a designer or an engineer, because we have no control over cost of labor, the number of hours that your general contractor wants to put on a project. We have no control over how slow the guys are at any one time or girls, because there's girls in trades now, which is awesome. But um, when I say, the guys or the trades. I just mean anybody working for the folks. So we don't know how fast the employees are going to be. We have no control over the price of steel. That gets scary. So, and it gets worse. So read this. The consultant shall be entirely responsible for the pre-award design services and for any mistake, inaccuracy, or discrepancy contained therein or any omission therefrom. Okay. What I said before was not carrying geotech, not carrying survey, um, probably not doing fire and life safety. There may be other specific consultants that either the owner or the contractor are carrying. So we can't be entirely responsible. So it can be the consultant shall be responsible for the pre-award design services as set, set forth in its proposal or attached proposal, design proposal, and for any, okay, so for any mistake, inaccuracy, or discrepancy. Okay, so do you want to be liable for any discrepancy? What if the discrepancy is a result of your client not giving you the right information? What if they give you something totally wrong and you base your services off of that? 
So it really seem fair that you now have to redo all of your services because they gave you the wrong information? No. So what we talk about is negligence. It's like lawyers, doctors, anybody providing a, a professional service. You're not expected to be perfect, okay? Um, the standard is not perfection. There's no way for it to be perfect. It's, it's not going to happen. But we talk about you can't be negligent. You have to be competent in the same manner as a similarly educated, similarly experienced fill in the profession would be in your circumstance. So we always want to say negligent or fails to conform with the appropriate standard of care or whatever, because if you don't say that, if you're liable for any mistake, any problem, then you're liable for everything. And the client can give you wrong property lines inaccurate information on how many people they're going to stuff into an office, inaccurate information on how they're going to use the facility. You can design that, you can draw that, or you could do whatever services you want on that. And what can happen is it can be totally wrong. And the client can say, well, it was inaccurate, even though it was my fault that it was inaccurate, my, the client's fault. Um, you get to redraw the whole thing or you get to redo the whole thing. So that's not great, uh, especially from a small business provider. You can't be doing work over and over and over again. You'll never make any money and you'll never sleep. So we can't do this. So we say for any correctly negligent error, there's only two errors. If you are, is an error or omission contained therein. So yeah, negligent errors or omissions, we fix them. Not a problem. Um, and then contained therein. We got to take that. They kind of said it twice and the grammar was a problem there as well. So the next part says the parties acknowledge that the intent of the design build finance process, which this is never mentioned again or before in this contract. So we don't know what that means. The intent of the design build finance process is to develop the most efficient, lowest cost and constructible design that is compliant with the RFP requirements, including without limitation, the draft project agreement. Um, okay. So how do we develop the most efficient, lowest cost and constructible design? Does that sound like a subjective requirement or a requirement that you can actually define and meet? I don't think it sounds like something that's even defined either in law or in just the construction industry. I don't think that it is. What does it mean when they're telling you it's your responsibility to develop the most efficient, lowest cost and constructible design. Well, we can't do that on our own. If we're the architect, if we're the engineer, if we're a consultant, if we're the acoustic engineer, if we're the MEP, we are designing, drawing engineering to meet the stuff that the owner tells us to meet, right? We can advise you that gold plated floors are probably gonna be really expensive, but you don't have to listen. We don't get to set the budget we don't get to decide what's reasonable. So this is crazy that we are being asked to, to do all this and, and forms the basis of the construction aspects of the proposal and delivers the lowest net present value with the design risks identified and analyzed to enable the design builder project slash co to win the project. What if they lose? We have to enable the design builder to win? Really? Really? That, that's, that's not a thing. Um, it's not something that any consultant can do. If you're a design builder, if you're a construction contractor that's going after a, a project direct to the client slash owner, 
nobody else can ensure that you win but yourself. So this is insane to ask people about to do this or to ask anybody to do this. It's not going to be covered by any insurance. That's another episode. Um, so the way we would fix it, because we got to fix it, right? No problems without solutions. That's not okay. All right. So what we would do here is say the parties acknowledge the intent of the design, build, finance, rather develop. I can't, it can't, it can't be the most efficient. We say an efficient. Mm, I think efficient and lowest cost might be the same thing, really. But I say efficient and mm, not lowest cost because you don't want to make it sound like it's cheap either, right? So you would say to develop an efficient, budget conscious, I would say budget conscious, and constructible design. I, I sometimes have a problem with constructible, that word constructible. Um, we can talk about that in another episode, but it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because constructability very much relies on how good your shop drawings are from your trades and your contractor. So this is not a one-way street and it can't be. But constructible here, I think we can say the intent of the process, what everybody participates in, is to develop an efficient, budget-conscious, and constructible design that's compliant with the RFP requirements. That's fair, including the draft project agreement, which is a, a big wampum document that you will have to review separately. Fine. That's okay. Uh, forms the basis of the construction aspects of the proposal. Okay, this, I think they smush two sentences together here, honestly. So I would just say the parties acknowledge the intent of the design build finance process to develop a fi an efficient, budget conscious and constructible design that is compliant with the RFP requirements, including without limitation, the draft project agreement, period. And then I would say the design services will form the basis of the construction aspects of the proposal. And that may, well, see, that doesn't make sense either. So I, I think they, something got squished here. So I would say the design services will form the basis of the design aspects of the proposal, design aspects of the proposal, period. Because we can't talk about delivers the lowest net present value with the, we can't do all that. Um, I, I don't even know what a design risk is. Um, we don't put, taken plainly, we don't put design risks in any documents because we don't take risks with design because that to me sounds like safety. I wouldn't do that. And delivers the lowest net present. So I would just take this out um, and I would take all this out because we're not enabling anybody to do anything. We are providing a service. We are designing to what people want and that's it. We're not enabling, ensuring, we're not perfect. Uh, we're not doing all the work. We're not, it's not. So this is how it should really read. Without limiting the foregoing, the design services will include the development of a preliminary design and to the extent set forth in the attached design proposal, additional required ancillary information to assist the design builder in meeting the requirements of the RFP and to develop a fixed price for the proposal. The consultants shall be responsible for the pre-award design services as set forth in its attached design proposal and for any negligent error or omission contained therein. The parties acknowledge that the intent of the design build finance process is to develop efficient, budget conscious and constructible design that is compliant with the RP requirements, including without limitation, the draft project agreement. The design services will form the basis of the design aspects of the proposal. The end. That's all you're doing. Um, 
the crazier it gets, the scarier liability gets. And this makes me insane because one, there's huge grammar problems and not just grammar problems that might bother a reader, grammar problems that actually change the meaning of the provision, one. Two, it's asking for things that a consultant that is either a designer, an engineer, or even some trades are not going to be able to meet. You are simply providing pricing on a service that owner, contractor, design builder has asked for. You're not in, you're not necessarily in charge of the workflow, the pricing on materials, the pricing on labor, the general conditions. You can't have, you don't have control over that. So I rant a little bit on these because it's let's reflect accurately what services are actually being provided and not just dump a bunch of fluffy legalese in there that doesn't make any sense to begin with. And it's going to cause everybody a headache if there's a dispute. Let's be clear about what we're actually doing. So that's what I had to say on these kind of standard of care provisions that you see up top on a lot of design build or um, consulting agreements when you're sub to a contractor or even direct with owner contracts for architects, owners, consultants, whatever. Um, this makes me rant a little. So I hope you've enjoyed it and maybe been a tiny bit entertained. And I hope I didn't put you to sleep. If I did put you to sleep, I hope you remember to turn off your phone and plug it in so you have power in the morning. Um, so this has been a standard of care rant by the Agorist attorney. And I hope to see you soon later. That doesn't make any sense. I hope to see you soon, which would also be later. Have a good one.